Welcome back, fans, to another edition of the Cheap Heat Productions Wrestling Podcast. My name is Jack Kilby, Executive Vice President of Great North Wrestling, and I'm pleased to welcome back tonight for part two of an extended career interview. And, and boy, has this man had one heck of a career and has so many great stories. I'm talking about the former Smoky Mountain Wrestling heavyweight champion, that being Bobby Blaze Smedley. Bobby, how are you tonight, sir? Hey, I'm doing great. It's good to be back for his part two, man. I've been really looking forward to it, John. Uh, Jack, I'm sitting there looking at John's book. We was just talking about something else. Yeah, no, uh, doing good, man. I went back and um, I usually don't, you know, review a lot of podcasts, but I went back and checked ours to make sure where we were at in it and everything. And, and I was really pleased with it. And I had several people uh, give me some really positive feedback. Um, Believe it or not, it was on on Twitter X or what have you, and it was um, uh, some friends of mine, personal friends I hadn't heard from for a while. I knew they were wrestling fans, but they actually listened to it as well. So um, I was really pleased about that. So, well, thank you very much, man. It's good to be back. Have well, some fun. Appreciate, appreciate your time, and and definitely had a, a similar uh, response from the fans of uh, Cheap Pete. We left just about uh, at the point where we're into your Smoky Mountain uh, career. And I wanted to ask you about working with the late, great, no gimmicks needed, Chris Candido. Yeah. Um, man, I think I told you Chris had come over from, um, uh, of course, he's up, up in New Jersey. But he had been working over in Memphis. And, and he had come over and met me one day in Knoxville a couple of weeks before he was going to actually start. And, uh, man, Chris was just, to me, a classy guy, you know, in the ring. He's very professional. We just really clicked. We hit it off. Um, he, um, the height, I was a lot lighter then, but I was taller. So the weight was really about the same, but I, he looked more muscular, but I just, I, I, I was more athletic, you know. So it was, just, it was a good fit. And, uh, you know, Cornette to this day, this one brings it up on his podcast, and it's good to, uh, just you know, someone mentioned about how athletic the that match, those match. Chris was Chris was very athletic, um, and uh, to me, that's the main thing about him was we both would we were young and we were both hungry, you know. And I had seen tapes uh, in uh, of Japan when I was in, in in Tampa, and he used to watch tapes and get the magazines too. And so it was one of those things where you know we both kind of just different parts of the country, but it just really gelled. And, um, you know, he really didn't need a gimmick. Um, and we did, uh, in 93, we did the, uh, four nights of, um, the, uh, Turkey Thunder, uh, Thanksgiving Thunder tour. And we had a Turkey match where the, the winner won, of course, but the loser got tarred and feathered. And, um, that was, that was great. I mean, to have those kind of matches with them and, and, to uh, to really get over like we did with those matches, and um, with the no gimmicks needed, I was going to plug something real quick. My friend John Cosper wrote this book. It's called No Gimmicks Needed, right there. Um, and that's uh, uh, Eat, Sleep, Wrestle. John Cosper is a great guy. I've actually had the pleasure of meeting him and become good friends with him. Um, he's got a couple other books. One on he's got several books. He's an author. That's just prolific, man. Uh, he's got several female wrestlers, but the ones I have also, he's got a great one on the uh, late Tracy Smothers. Another dear friend of mine uh, is in Smokey with, and um, uh, it's uh, if you don't buy this book, everybody dies, you know, and that's 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 about Tracy Smothers and 
Then the other one's about Wahoo McDaniels. And he took, John took stuff, uh, spoke with me about, I've worked all those guys, been in the ring with them. And so I, I was really honored to be included in those books just for my stories, you know, from the, the Pin Me, Pay Me book. Um, but back to Chris, we, we do that tar and feathered match, and it was just so much fun. Uh, of course, it was a big, dark jar of uh, molasses that get poured on you. And if I won, you know, I'd, he'd end up gimmick me anyway and spin me around and cheat. And, but but then I would get him back by turning him around and give him a big hug and getting all the feathers on him if, if he – even if he won, if he lost, he still was tar and feathery, basically. But but one thing I'll tell you a real quick story that's in that book, uh, in both my books, Pimmy Pay Me and and John's, and that is uh, Chris didn't need a gimmick. You know, he, he was in the ring. He was a gimmick. Um, he could work, and he could go. He really could. And he approached me. We had um, uh, Hazard, Kentucky, John C., Tennessee, Knoxville, Tennessee, and Barbersville, Kentucky, if I'm correct, the the – four-day run for Thanksgiving, uh, and he come to me in the hallway at Hazard the first night of the match, and he said, hey, I've got this idea. I want to powerbomb you off the top rope. Mm -hmm. And I looked at him. We was in the hallway, and I looked at him. I said, are you fucking crazy? I, I literally said, I, I said, I won't repeat it for, you know, shock value. I, I, I just looked at him like, you know, really, are you? And, and he goes, no, no, listen to him. Listen. And I knew how strong he was. He's very strong. And so uh, – but the height differential, he had powerbombed me before I picked it. it, it Strength-wise, he is very strong, but kind of, again, not, not exactly the same, but close to. And um, anyway, I, he, he told me, explained it to me. He had seen it on a tape in Japan, and he wanted to try it. I get my hair out of my eyes. I had a haircut, believe it or not, since the last time, but you can't tell. Tremendous. I was a drift cut. When you get it cut, you can't tell you how to cut. That's but, awesome. Uh, it's just getting everywhere. Um, but anyway, he um, – so we're in that hallway. He he bends me over there and picks me up, you know, and I'm sitting right there across, you know, this way. And and I go, you know, main thing you got to do is balance me on that top rope, you know. So um, I said, okay, if you think you can hold me, let's do it. So we go out there and we have the match. Well, the match he mimicked, um, and I honestly cannot tell you who it was, but when when I took the power bomb off the top rope, God, I'm getting chills in my spine right now. I mean, it shook the heck out of me. And, um, but he, he proceeds to go back out of the ring, climb up the top rope again. And then I just miraculously jump up from taking a power bomb off the top rope. And like I said, it, it did hurt. I mean, I didn't get hurt, hurt, but I mean, it hurt, right. You know, you're like a kid. You just bounce back, you know, but I jumped right up and drop kicked him out of the air. <laughs> <laughs> and of course the place was going crazy in Hazard, Kentucky. Uh, that was a regular town, but maybe every six weeks versus every month. And um, they were going crazy because they were seeing anything like that before. And anyway, when I jumped up and kicked them, they just kind of went, uh, like, okay, how did you do that? You know, so we went on and had the match. And, and honestly, I, I, I can't tell you who won or lost uh, that first night, but one of us went over, whatever. We get in the back, and Kevin Sullivan approaches in that same hallway. And we're, you know, he's Chris is checking on this and that. And Kevin says, guys, can I talk to you for a minute? And he goes, you know, Kevin's, that's fucking fantastic. You know, he he, he loves it. He goes, that's, that's fucking fantastic. He puts it over. He goes, but I'm going to tell you, he said, when you jump back up and drop kick them, he said, man, it just took away and you heard it. And like, yeah, he goes, this is what I'd like you to do, guys. And he just, he came on his own time. He had his own angle. 
going and all that. And and like I said last week, Kevin Sullivan has one of the greatest minds in the wrestling business to me, and, and a lot of other people too. But anyway, he said he said, Bobby, the next are you all planning on doing that again? And I said, Well, yeah, I, I think you know. He asked. I was like, I'm willing to. You know, he goes, All right, this is what you do. When you take that bump, you're dead. Don't move. That's the end of it. Just lay there. And he said, Chris, you go up and realize he's not moving. Come back down or don't go up at all. Your choice. But go to pick Bobby up. And give it time. Milk it. And he goes, and Bobby, just dead weight. Do not move. He goes, Chris, you looked around. He, even when you do, he goes, grab him by the back of the trunks and just kind of pull him up and see. You know, he goes, and then look around like, oh, no, I've, I've really hurt this guy. And he goes, um, you know, he goes, because once you, and this was like his final thing, and he goes, once, because once you uh, drop, you took the power bomb off the drop, uh, the top rope, he goes, you know, what are you fucking going to do next? Uh, get a machete and cut his head off? And then, so he's telling us that, and we're listening, really, you know. And he goes, so anyway, what I do is if you do it, you just lay there, and, and that's that. And he goes, now, excuse me. I got to go have an Oriental Spike match with uh, Brian Lee. <laughs> and Chris and I just look at each other and start cracking up. He's talking about being reality. Uh, what am I going to do? Cut Chris's head off or get my head cut off machete or whatever. Then he goes, excuse me, I'm going to go get a, an Asian Spike match, or Oriental Spike match with Kevin, uh, uh, Brian Lee. So that was funny. But but we did the next three nights, and each time, um, man, Again, he got me out there further, too. That was the other thing. The first one was kind of tight, up and down, so we're both kind of in the corner. Uh, but and again, I was protect, I, he protected me and wasn't that. But we got more confident. And he, when I took it, I swung out more. And it was just a big powerbomb, man. And then um, he, he did the deal, went to pick me up, and I wasn't going anywhere. And, uh, again, I couldn't tell you what we did from there, how we I rolled him up or whatever, whatever it was, something, you know, whatever it was. But uh, he was just – like that to work with, you know, and then, uh, uh, out of the ring, we got along just fine, you know, and, um, I'll go ahead and, uh, I went to around this time of year, uh, being Thanksgiving and, uh, time. I even went over to their house a couple to their apartment in Oxbow, a couple Chris and Tammy's apartment a couple times. I'd invited over there a few times to eat with them. And, um, you know, at the ring, I'm a, I just can't tell you, uh, you know, um, they, they were good people. They was young. You know what I'm saying? They were just young people. And um, if you want me to, did you want me to speak about Tammy real briefly or anything? Or well, just just your how you uh, interacted with her, yeah. notwithstanding, I mean, how the story has turned out tragically, but yeah. but your particular time. Yeah. With her. Well, um, I had a gentleman re reach out and is doing a big in depth um, article on her uh, about before basically before she really made it big. And he kind of, he kind of is going from high school to the Smoky Mountain area. Um, and it's a newspaper in Newark, New Jersey or somewhere up, up where they're from. And he got a hold of me and said, you know, just, just your best comments or whatever. And that's, that's kind of what it was. So that's what I'll go with here. You know, yeah, it, it's certainly tragic. Um, and, and, uh, you know, whatever her sentencing and, and time she gets, it's, it's, I'm no one to judge anyone. I'm just saying it's sad. But also, hey, you only get so many fucking chances, man. I mean, that's 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 anyway. With that said, when I met them, they were both very young, you know, and very hungry and, and willing to learn. And um, uh, I, like I always say uh, to, to everyone, I say, uh, 
I knew Tammy before tits and with tits, you know. And uh, that, that yeah, she she come to shows with Chris in my hometown and come came to the gym I worked out at, and uh, she was always good to me, you know. And um, so that was a different person then too, just so you know. And the um, and we finished up, and you know, of course, Chris uh, Chris was uh, he had went to Japan and was going to sign with either All Japan or, or WWF, and of course. He wanted to go there. She had already went up there, excuse me. And he even came back. Um, he was obligated two more weeks of Smoky Mountain uh, wrestling. Um, he came back to my hometown, actually, and put me over for one last time with Tammy in the corner, you know. And um, uh, that was very cool of him, you know, and I was very happy for him. After that, one of the last time I had seen him at that point, uh, WW, I was talking about the shows we talked about um, doing the job back in the day for Piper, you know, getting on WWF and you asked about meeting Vince. Um, Cornette was up there and um, they called and asked what I want to come up and do some of the stuff like uh, uh, at the time, like uh, I guess Tracy and white boy were doing some enhancement type stuff. And um, it wasn't that Jimmy just asked me if I want, he put me in touch and said, we want to come into Cincinnati and, and Ohio, which is not too far. And then Huntington. And I, I think I told you, I was already talking to Paul Orndorff and, and, and some Kevin Sullivan. I didn't want to ruin any chances there, but I went up and that's when I went up to, uh, I, I met Vince for the second time. I was telling you how professional he was and courteous. And also that uh, I saw the first person I saw when I walked in was Tammy and man, she said, Hey, hey, just love it all over me. Show me like, a, like, let me show you my first tattoo and just kind of dropped her paintings down just a little bit. What? And I didn't see, you know, I, I didn't see anything I hadn't already seen other than a new tattoo. I'll just say that and leave it at that. But uh, um, anyway, then I guess Chris had been either changing or doing a promo or whatever. But he came around the corner. He's like, oh, Bobby Blade, my favorite opponent, you know, gave me some love and not. And this, you know, that's all good. And then I I wrote about it, a story called A Suicide Blonde. Um, I put it in my book, you know, Pin Me, Pay Me, Have Booth, will Travel. And that's the one John put in his book. And again, that's no gimmicks needed. But um, you know, I, I really hate that the way things um, ended up for, for both of them. Um, uh, but now I'm good friends with, um, like I said, I'm good friend with John Cosper. And, and through that, his brother, Johnny Candido, who was a young boy uh, back then, he, he, he was only 14 or 15 years old, I guess, when I met him at Smoky Mountain. Um, he and I still stay in touch a lot, you know, especially around uh, holidays or, or Chris's birthday. Uh, he just, he's got a Twitter handle and um, we got each other's direct number from that. And I, it must have taken forever before I actually just reached out because I gave my number and I didn't hear from him and he didn't hear from me. And I don't know who reached first. And then all of a sudden, one of us reached out and said, hey, you know, we, we just started talking via text. We, we talk like this sometimes, too. But most of the time, just, hey, man, how are you? Happy holidays or whatever. But um, anyway. That's my interaction with Chris. Um, I really enjoyed it. I get a lot of, uh, uh, like you, bringing it up. That's that's really important to me. To, like, for as his brother says, you know, it, I love to keep my brother's name alive and keep it out there. So I certainly do that because I, like I, I told John, and like I tell you, um, you can't, and I tell my students this sometimes that I'm helping, um, you can't, you can't tell Chris Candido's story without including mine, you know, so that as far as what, where he started at, because he had done a bunch of independent stuff, 
as we know, as a young boy, 14, 15, 16 years old, went to Memphis. And then, uh, you know, within, I don't know how long he was out there, maybe eight months or something. I honestly do not know. But I know when he finished up, he came to Smokey and he stayed there through a, for a really good run, you know, through there and um, got a good push and, and worked several good programs, you know. And we were going around to, uh, for the, uh, believe it or not, the U.S. Junior Heavyweight title. And it was a really nice, um, Scotty Armstrong owned it actually. It was a really nice, and it was a junior heavyweight title. And it was a, it was one of the most beautiful belts I'd seen. Um, they had used it down in um, uh, in the old continental area. It wasn't continentals, mm. but it used in that area. Um, and I, I don't know what company it was, but but Scotty, you know, Bullet had ran or one of them that Scotty had that belt and let Jimmy borrow it. And did I, Chris and I battled back and forth. And of course, he had the uh, he had like the WWA title, which was like the the World Wrestling Alliance or something. And he claimed it to be the greatest title. You know, he had beat Ric Flair. He had beat Hark Hogan. He had beat, uh, he named all these people, J.R. Snitzelgrass or whoever it was. He beat all these great people. And he had that title. And and it, it was just a big plate on some, you know, black leather and uh, a metal plate and WWA and how to peep, uh, a globe maybe. <laughs> Hmm. Like I described that my belt because to me I had at the time was the junior belt and it was so beautiful because it was and he, he that, that belt's ugly that belt's ugly you know it's uh, uh, mine's the one that really counts so uh, it was around this time of the year again just you know sure you're starting to experience some colder weather up there so maybe some rainy weather I we're we're we've got tomorrow predicted rain all day uh, just started dropping down on Friday and started hitting our stride for what we get in this area. And um, I traveled down to uh, Tennessee. It's actually a big lake. And um, Chris Chris is out there going, shall we gather at the river? And he's standing down there with the microphone, of course, and they're recording them. And he's got that belt because he had beat me for it. He said, I told that coward Bobby Blaze that if I won that belt, I was going to take it and throw it into this river. And he goes, unlike our beautiful rivers in the uh, uh, New Jersey, it has all the uh, toxic uh, trash and the hypodermic needle. He started really trashing New Jersey River, saying, this river is worse than that, you know. And, and just, it, it, it's hilarious. He could talk so good. He, you know, he's just a great, great promo. And, um, you know, he's he's got the belt. And he turns his, he, he puts the microphone down. And he turns. And as he does, I come running from off camera. And um, I I can't how I did it. I, I can't remember if I glommed him, but, but I, I think I glommed him. And when I did, of course, uh, how'd that work? He, I, he, he dropped the belt. That's what he dropped the belt. I went for the belt because that's, that's what it was. I went for the belt when I did, of course. I hit him. He dropped it. I went for the belt because that's my baby. He gloms me. He grabs by the back of the hair, the back of my pant, and runs me out into that river and lets me go. And it was <laughs> oh, it was a whore's heart, man. <laughs> it had been raining that day. It was a Sunday. They had a we had a Friday Saturday show. It was off that Sunday. I remember staying over another day uh, to uh, to uh, to shoot that. And it was middle of the day, two or three in the afternoon. But it was cold, man. And uh, of course, he didn't get it. He went right to the edge and threw me in. And I had pulled my uh, MCL at the time, and I had a big knee brace on. So I had street clothes on, but I had that on. I had it all strapped up tight, had jeans on, uh, a T-shirt, and then a real light windbreaker. Um, and Because I, I knew it was going to be cold. I didn't want to wear a hoodie. I'm a hoodie guy, but I knew that 
because point of me saying about that, my knee, I had that brace on the jeans. I hit that water and I mean, everything got so wet. I couldn't hardly turn to get out of it. Oh boy. I was drenched, you know, everything was heavy. And I, mm-hmm. I, I ended up getting a couple of steps on shore and he's pulling away and I could outrun his ass any time, believe me, <laughs> in a foot race, but not all soggy down and not a poor knee, you know, and I'm going, Candido, you son of a, and then they go, Weep! they beep it out. You know? <laughs> I cut to my pro, I go up and I change clothes, get dried off real quick. And I start cutting my promo. Hey, last week over here, and I'm, I got the lake behind me, and I'm, you know, doing my gimmick now. But yeah, I, I like that. That was a good angle. It was a fun time in my life. I was young too, you know, and uh, uh, on the road like that, and just just good times, man. And so gone, gone way too soon. Gone way too soon. I remember when. Um, no, I was not with Jim Cornette. <laughs> I was going to say I know the answer to that, but I'd let you uh, <laughs> let you speak on that one. That's one of the funniest damn things ever. I was not there. I've been to DQ though, lots and lots of times. Uh, but uh, I don't recall myself ever to have a race in hell because I just, at, at that particular one, because I'm getting something familiar with me and my one of my partners traveling with me the most. You know, we're not ordering a van load of food at, you know, closing time or something to get someone off pissed off that, you know, it's not a rib or whatever, you know. But uh, yeah. Uh, no, I was not in that van that night, um, <laughs> which, you know, I've done a lot of crazy things and, and, and I've cussed a few people out like that myself, going on a rant over something. Thankfully, it was recorded <laughs> and, and put out there, you know. But uh, no, back to, to Chris, like I said, that is just, uh, like I said, gone way too long. What I was going to say, when I wrote that, even though I included that story of the suicide blonde in my book, um, I had actually written that the morning after he passed away, I'd, I'd gotten up. I've got an office around the corner, the bedroom over there. It used to be an office and I was going back to school at the time. And I, and I got up and, you know, went to whatever wrestling slide I'd go to first uh, back in the day. And, and bam, there it was. It wouldn't matter which one I went to. It was all over them, you know, and I just, I just went numb, you know, and, uh, uh, cause I'm a few years older than Chris and Tammy. And, um, and, you know, so I sit and I go, Oh man, that, that's so tragic, you know. I, I, uh, I, I just and so I sit there, and uh, of all the people I'm, I've missed in this wrestling business, passed away. You know, I love Bobby Eaton dearly, and I, and I miss Bobby. Uh, but but Chris and Tracy come up a lot to me. Sometimes I'm like, those two hurt me a lot, you know, um, because just the closeness I had with them, you know, the respect I had for them. Uh, the the in ring and out of the ring relationship. I had a dear friend JT Lightness passed away. We were friends outside the ring, and um, and I love JT, uh, and and I do bring him up too. But there's so many you know we've lost. But but most honestly, Tracy and and Chris are two that that come to my and I tell Johnny that all the time when I speak to him. Like man, your brother, I miss him, you know. Um, but yeah, I, so I wrote that story again. It's called a suicide blonde, and I just talk about in happier days. And in times that we were really doing all the angle, I put the story in there about the pirate bomb and all that. And and uh, so when I wrote my book, um, I just retrieved that story and I doctored it up like I, you know, need. I put it. I don't, honestly, Jack, I don't know what someone printed. Maybe Slam Magazine or or Canoe or some several people on that back in the day. What, what was that? Two thousand, whatever it was. Uh, uh, 05, 04. 05, I, th- I was going to say 05 comes to mind, but 
uh, several people printed it, you know, or, or published it on their website or whatever, uh, wrestling sites, you know what I'm saying? But, uh, but I needed, I had to docker it up for my book, of course, to, to edit it correctly and all that. Cause it was just heartfelt and I'm writing it and I'm typing it, you know, so, but, um, I'm real pleased with that because I got to honor someone, you know, I had a lot of respect and love for. So, uh, anyway, yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and move on past Chris if you want. So. What, what a legend, um, being, being Canadian, I, I find the story and knowing, knowing what, a what an individual he, he was uh, as a shoot in real life. I wanted to get your impressions of, of being around or, or working or being in the same company as uh, Bruiser Bedlam, Johnny Canine, yeah. another, another individual gone uh, too young yeah. as well. Man, you know what a character he was. Um, I've got several stories about, about Johnny. Uh, the first one, when he first came in, I was, pretty much like um you know the uh the no the no quit kid i'd done my thing of white boy and i wasn't going to quit wasn't going to tap out and, and and had a pretty good thing going a lot of times uh especially if if ricky and robert or tracy uh and eventually white boy because he was a heel at the beginning you know but but i'm saying in our locker room the babyface locker room a lot of times if someone came in ricky robert or tracy if i didn't know him they hey this is bobby blaze he's one of us take care of him because he, he they and they they knew who I was maybe didn't know but but he's regular crew because I was there you know and so it happened a couple of times and it made me feel good you know like the Bruce brothers came Brian Lee was like hey this is my boy don't fuck him up you know they're like hey okay you because they're six foot fuck you know and they're muscled and they're killing everyone they touch me and I'm selling you know because they I remember them uh, the well Tracy and Tom had gotten to a scuffle in the ring one time. And one of Bruce brothers grabbed me and he said, hey, man, they're shooting over there. Stay right here, you know, just stay right here. Just kept me right there. And then we was in a riot over in uh, uh, Council, Virginia, or Wise, Virginia, Wise, Virginia. And them two guys, man, that's two guys you want on your team, you know. But they come out of your locker room, you know, like I'm sitting there watching bodies go everywhere. And I'm like, uh, yeah. I had wrestled Kyle, Killer Kyle earlier, and we were back-to-back -back with chairs, you know. And I'm looking – but I see them two guys, like I said, are like six foot ten. They're slinging chairs and people everywhere, and I'm like, woo! You know, it's good to be on this side. It's bad because there's so many people on you, but uh, but good to have them people on your backup. But uh, so anyway, I was just getting that. So when when Bedlam came, Tracy and Robert, I, I come around a corner and there he was, and he, you know, he's this big guy. You got tank top on, flip flops, and it's cold outside. And that, that's that's a shoot. That's the way he was. I didn't know he was in a Jeep at the time, but just know that's what he was in the building. It was cold out. And um, we went around a building or went around a corner there. And uh, Ricky and Robert, they said, hey, this is Bobby. He's one of our regular guys, man. You'll be good to him, whatever. And I mean, they were just putting him over. Well, they didn't know him that well. They might knew him. But so we're all three just sitting there talking and stuff. Well, lo and behold, Cornette uh, books it that I'm going to wrestle him at night for his first night in. So I'm like, <laughs> Oh man. Uh, okay. So again, it's one of those hallway situations back, back of the, uh, of the, uh, arena thing. And uh, he wants, he says, well, i start talking to him and I'm like, well, I can do this, do that, whatever. Cause I, I can see, you know, big stiff looking guy. And I'm like, I'll just, I can work around you. You know what I'm saying? So I can, it, he goes, and he, I go, I'll jump you. If, can you catch me and stuff like that? So we're talking, it was all, it was all good. And so, um, he goes, what I really like to do, he goes, can, do you do anything off something off the top rope? And I said, yeah, 
be glad to. And he said, can you do a flip? And I go, yeah. I go, you want me to do a cannonball and off the top rope like that to you? He goes, yeah, but I want to catch you in the air. So it's one of those things where you're crazier, you know, whatever, uh, like I did with Chris. But um, so we're, Ricky and Robert are standing there and uh, I bend over and he picks me up like, like he did. And when he does, my legs slide down through his shoulders and I get about that far from the concrete floor and I smack it and he lets me go. But I'll go to a four roll and I'm selling my head. I did not hit my head, but he and man, as soon as I go down, I'm like, oh, geez, fuck, you know, whatever. And Ricky and Robert, they, they already, they already know we're, they're in on it. And I'm going, I'm selling and they're going, oh man, we already told you, you already hurt Bobby and got him in the ring yet. And I'm selling, man, he's flipping out. Cause he's like, you got fired the first night for hurting me, you know, in the back. And so we, we kind of got him on a string right there, you know, and uh, <laughs> I finally got up selling. I go, bro, I, I was that far from, I said, don't do that in the ring, please. He goes, no, I'm going to catch you up here. I'm going to catch you up here. I'm like, okay. So we went out in the ring and, uh, you know, an hour later, whatever it was. And I've, I've honestly uh, probably never been hit in a real fight. And I've been in some fights when I was younger. And that, that's not bragging or boasting. I, I've just come up in a rough area of town and moved around. And things happen. You know, I'm no tough guy, but you mean, I'm just saying, like, you get in fights, though. And, uh we're we're in the ring. He shoots me off, and man, he gloms me in the jaw. I mean, he and that and as he gloms me, I hear duck. <laughs> That's what I do. I don't I don't sell a bump because I don't go like a regular bump, right? Because he's throwing a clothesline up here, and he's already hitting me. I couldn't prepare for it, but most of his most of his arm hits me right here, and I mean it. Not, I didn't take a butt. I crumbled. I went straight to the mat. He hit me so damn hard. It was like a knockout. You know what I'm saying? I it wasn't a work where I could sell. And if if I'd heard him duck, I could have ducked under and, and hit the rope and done whatever. But I heard it about like he's already through my head. His fist is over there somewhere. He goes duck. <laughs> so I'm out. Uh, and he comes and gets me. As soon as he does, it's the same thing as in the back. Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And he, he's grabbed me to the corner. And I just remember being over the corner and Cornette saying something like, God damn, Johnny, you know, something like that. And, and I, I'm not saying anything other than he's, he's saying, I told you, duck. I told you, duck. And I'm like, I, I couldn't even answer him. So anyway, he goes, you know the finish? You know the finish? And when he did, he sent me over the top rope. And, and when I got outside the apron, I like, oh, okay, I know what to do now. So I got up for the apron. I did the flip. He caught me, laid me down like a baby, which which kind of took away from the effect of why I even go up there and do it. And then he puts the claw on me, on my stomach, and I submit. And I got up here two fucking years, Johnny. <laughs> no one's ever hit me that hard, and no one's beat me by making me tap out. And I said, you get a stomach clock. And Cornette's went outside and he's yelling, ah, you know, because then he, I think in the back, he realized like, oh, shouldn't have beat you that way, Bobby. You know, because, <laughs> but it was all, it was all good. And uh, uh, that night I was actually supposed to stay all night with, at the flop house with, um, uh, with, with Johnny and, you know, uh, Ken, uh, not, uh, Jericho and whoever, uh, whoever else was there. I don't think Casey was there at that point. That didn't stand out. It already happened probably. So, I get there and um, I don't know who gets there first, but 
we're basically just sleeping on the floor in the front room, you know, but we get there and he's like, man, I, I'm so sorry I hit you. And this, he go, I did say duck. And I said, yeah, you did. And I was a little bit late on that, but, but that kind of started our little relationship there as far as, you know, and so, um, uh, in the ring, I had, I had no problem with, he actually got me booked, uh, up in Detroit for like uh, Gary Warnacek, I think back in the day, he got me a hell of a payoff to come up there and, and work him, you know, and he was always, he was light as can be of me after that. Let me ask that. And he really, he was not trying to hurt me. He just called duck way too late for me to hear it, you know? Uh, and, uh, he never, he never, he, that wasn't intentional. You know, it was not, uh, I'll say that right now. Uh, not that I fear anything <laughs> of him, you know, something karma or something, just say it. He, it wasn't his intention, but we, we go to the gym the next day. There's a little gym there in Morristown, Tennessee, and uh, we're over there. He, he's, you know, he's that big, strong bencher. You know, he had the Canadian record. I'll get to that in a second. But we go to the gym, and uh, we're, we're just going to do chess that day, you know. And um, he's telling me what blah, blah, blah. And he goes, he gets like 315, and he goes, you know, hey, just – just uh, I, I usually go to three – I go to 315, and depending on what my day was, I could get it four to six reps, but that was my top workout weight. So I wasn't, you know, um, I would go to 225, 275, 315 finish, and that's it. He's moving up, you know. So uh, I, he, he gets there, and he's like, shh, shh, shh. I don't know how many reps he got. And he says, hey, just step away for a second. He gets 405 on there. And I just walk over to, like, the, the pack deck thing, you know, or something. I'm standing over there. And he yells at this young kid that's, the, you know, 21, 22-year-old, probably in college or working his way through college. He's working the desk, folding towels, you know. And he goes, hey, kid, come here for a second. Come here for a second. Uh, can you give me a spot? And you know, it's just this young guy. He's not a, he's not a big weightlifter guy, but, he, you know, in shape, just a, you know, young kid in shape. He's got 405, you know, four big plates on each side, you know, of the, of the, of the bar, you know, it looks like. And uh, <laughs> he, he goes, give me a spot. So. I don't know what the hell's going on. I'm just standing over there, you know. And uh, there's only a few people to gym. I think uh, uh, Anthony had stayed there. Anthony, long black hair. I can't remember. He went to ECW for a while. Uh, him and Brian, some of the people that you know stayed at the flop house. They're in the gym. There's some regular guys from Smoky Mountain in there. And he goes, he takes it out of rack. And this is this is your boy Johnny K9 for you, okay? And I have no idea what's going to happen. He takes it out of rack and he brings it down. He goes. Oh, oh, get it off. <laughs> and that kid reaches down to like help spot him. And man, K9 jumps. He goes, boom, boom, boom. Pumps out about three or four reps with it. Racks go, get the fuck away from me, kid. Don't you ever touch the bar. When and just starts rimming this kid out, man. And this kid, is like, he's scared shitless because, you know, he had that patch of hair. He had the true to the crew tattoo. And yeah. of course, he had a hair on my head. Either this flip flop and shorts on. Get don't go get me a fucking protein shake, you know. And I'm doubled over at the pack that going. I've worked at gyms before going. I'm I'm like thinking, I'm glad no one's ever done this to me. I said, that asshole, you know. But but of course I had a big laugh about it. And we got back over and he was like, I, I remember him saying, you know, hey, once you go heavy on that, everything else you go light on, you know. We just finished up the workout. And with that said, my like I said, he got me booked before I worked with him. Uh he actually came to my hometown. We, we were doing a Smoky Mountain show in, in, in Ashton, Kentucky. And he had been down there for several weeks. He'd come and stay two, sometimes three weeks at the most, and he'd go back to, to Canada. 
And um, I had no idea of any activities he's in whatsoever. You know, I, none of my business. I knew him strictly as, you know, hey, this is Johnny, you know. And so I said to him, I said, you know, we're coming to my hometown. It's about four hours from here. Uh, what would, and I, I worked at a gym part time sometimes at the YMCA gym, you know, when I'm saying gym that away. And um, I said, what would it take you to come up here and do a bench press exhibition one on a Saturday, like at two o'clock before the show? You're going to be in town anyway. And uh, I said, God's going to pay him, you know, like a, a regular booking fee or what have you uh, uh, through Jimmy if I needed to. And um, he said, uh, he said, man, he goes, you, you know, I really like, he goes, I like to have a home cooked meal. And at the time I was married and, and, and my ex, she was a really good cook. You know, I'll give her credit for that. Uh, and he said, what's her best? And he knew her, he knew who she was, you know, she had seen her around and stuff and what, you know, wasn't like that or anything, but he's like, he goes, what's, what's, what's she cooked best? I said, no, I said, her spaghetti's homemade spaghetti. I said, out of the world. And um, anyway, he goes, well, you, have her fix me a big home cooked meal, would you? And I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll talk it over with her, see what's happening. So I worked it all out. So he came to my, he came to the show, come to the area like at two o'clock in the afternoon, like I said, maybe you know, four hours before the show. And he went to the YMCA and I had a friend out there, had tickets to that nice event. And, uh, and I didn't go, I had other stuff to do. I was help promoting the show, but my buddy was over. He sold about 15 tickets, but, but John went over there and they didn't have the big competition bench. This is the YMCA. And he went up to like 600, you know, he just talked to people. He spent about 45 minutes, I guess, just talking. And, you know, he when he got to 405, the people there got impressed, you know. They, we had a couple 500-pound benchers, but they were, they would, in this area, I should say, and they, they were at another power powerhouse-type gym, you know what I'm saying? They had a big bench competition. But um, he when he came to the building at night, I had his meal ready, you know. My, my ex had made a really, put a big salad together for him, garlic bread. And she even made a big chocolate Paul Newman cake. I mean, and, and man, he just sit there. He eat everything she brought. I mean, it was it was probably enough for three or four people. Uh, you know, good good portion. And, and she there was enough for me and Ricky and Robert. She always took care of them guys too. She she had known them. You know, when I first got with her. So um, uh, so that part of my life I was getting it. He but he was kind enough to come into town and do that. You know, so that other part of his life. I never, you know, we never discussed anything. Well, I had worked in a prison uh, for about almost two years at one point before I got my first contract. We was talking about going up to the old Grand Prix territory. And I had left Florida and that was a really good job, but it wasn't for me. I'm not, I'm not my brother's keeper. And um, I straight up a couple of times, I said, look here, you know, man, I've been on the other side of that. And, and he goes, man, he goes, when I'm in there, and he goes, they don't have any trouble with me whatsoever. I've got my own little crew, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, I got, I get it. I knew that he probably wasn't the kind, because uh, when I say that kind of person in prison, because you don't want to draw attention to yourself in there. You probably got your own scam going on, and the guards don't want to be a part of it, and they don't want to be caught doing anything. So it's there's a lot of respect, you know? So uh, I think that's why he liked me, too, because I gave him that respect. I didn't say, hey, what'd you do? What What's this? What's that? I didn't ask, you know what I'm saying? Like, the, the many times I was around them, uh, which wasn't a lot, but I still was around quite a bit. Um, it was just a <laughs> crazy guy. And then I found out some bitch was driving that Jeep with flip flops and the shorts and the tank top. That was a shoot, man. I'm like, this guy, I mean, he's just, I mean, it's just crazy, you know. 
all the all the way from Hamilton. Were, were you were you surprised that uh, Cornette uh, in the the famous uh, show had him uh, go over Randy Savage and any any idea why he kind of petered out in the business after Smoky Mountain, so to speak? Yeah, you know what? I don't know. I I, I watched that dark side of the ring, and I, some of those, you know, you just I, I I I they really do a good job. I'll put that. But sometimes when you know someone so personal. It's just like a couple I watched and cried, man. Like, oh, I shouldn't even, I shouldn't even watched it, you know, especially at night. So I should have waited till the next day or something. But anyway, no. Um, and, and again, those are really good programs. I, I didn't know some of that stuff even happened after why, why you know, his career went, went like it did. Uh, as far as I thought it was very respectful, a savage to come in and do that. I couldn't believe they did it, to be honest with you. Um and and good for him, you know. He had went up to New York and done, you know, matches before before that, as we know. Uh, but um, I don't know. It wasn't part of my business, you know. what I'm saying I I, I really didn't sit there and go, well, I, I couldn't believe it happened, you know. And then as far as afterwards, um, you know, every everything. I guess maybe maybe he expected more, you know, uh, better treatment or more money or I don't know. It, a lot of us politics, you know, like. Like it, I was doing a lot of independence shut down because of the TV exposure. And there were so many people that just ran every weekend, like little, little spot shows here and there. And I was staying booked and, and, um, getting a hundred, a couple hundred dollars per night plus my gimmicks. And I, I was working about every three out of four every weekend, you know, but I was still within four hours of my home. You know, I wasn't coming down from Canada. I wasn't 1500 miles from home or anything. And I took booking other way, but also I had already been talked with WCW. And some of that was like, I was at the first Nitro in, in Knoxville. Um, I was there, you know, I went in the back and spoke to Arn Anderson right away, Terry Taylor. And then when I got to Kevin, Kevin put his arm right, Kevin, someone put his arm around my shoulder. He goes, hey, Bobby. He goes, you got a job here if you want one. Call Orndorff in the office on Monday. And I did. And um, that didn't work out because Paul thought I still lived in Knoxville. He wanted me to do a show and had me lined up. And when I called him, um, I, Kevin had already spoke to him. And um, he said, uh, I, I just told him, I said, Paul, I said, that's a, that's a long trip for me. I said, I, I, and he because he, 75 miles south of Atlanta is where he wanted me to go to Macon, Georgia. And he goes, uh, I guess a long ass ride, Paul. I said, you know, for that kind of money, I said, I'm, I was looking, I said, I'm getting that around this area. Can you get me some gas money? He goes, oh, yeah, we'll work it out. We'll work it out. And he goes, it's not that far from Knoxville. And I go, oh, Paul, I'm sorry. I go, I'm, I'm back in my hometown. I said, I'm four hours north of Knoxville. I said, Atlanta's, I said, I'm, you're looking at 800, eight-hour trip to Atlanta. You know, oh, I didn't know that. So we worked it all out. And then I, I got back with Kevin about a month later. He goes, what happened? And I told him. He said, hey, that's all right. He goes, call again. And I did, and it worked out. And I got a tryout. And I, but again, go, that's my story to get to WCW. But again, maybe maybe Johnny, you know, um, maybe he wasn't the most politically correct person, or maybe he didn't have that the connections, you know, maybe it, the connections he had in New York, you know, maybe this people had dealt with them. I can't say this because it's it's none of my business again as to what now that we know hindsight being twenty twenty, some of them big companies maybe they knew something some of his activities, you know, I, I really mm. don't know. And it, and there's no judgment. I'm the, again, you know, I'm just saying. I don't. I don't know what happened. Um, could he have been a bigger star? Certainly, man. I, I, 
I went back real quick. I think his bench press, you can correct me wrong, like 635 or 660 pounds or something on that. So when I said he put that 405, <laughs> was messing around with that guy. It was nowhere near his max. And he, when he come to the building at night to, to eat um, after doing the exhibition out to the Y, he told me then when it got to like 600, he said, that's no competition benches over. He goes, they would really mess around with me at um 500 pounds he said i had to, he goes i had spot on each side he goes i them things i said i know they're not power benches you know but uh but like i said he only did about 600 there you know close to his you know max but he did it as, again as an exhibition not a competition you know but um yeah i don't know man what do you have an opinion on that or know something that you can why he didn't go no, any it's, further it's it's kind of uh it's kind of an enigma story considering uh you know the push he got at smoky mountain and then just uh yeah i think That's i think what I thought, still, you know. his yeah. outside uh interests uh so to speak got got in in the way i wanted to, uh, no yeah. discussion about smoky mountain and your tenure there would be complete without and i know you've got a, a lot of stories about uh this individual but another one who passed on New Jack and your experiences with him during that incredible uh, time frame when yeah. uh, people were yeah. looking to riot. Yeah. Well, you know, New Jack just—I'd say New Jack was New Jack. That you know, I, when he came in, when they came in, um, I don't know, man. I I had worked with him a couple of times out just like over security, arguing with security people, you know, don't touch me, don't put, you know, white people, this and that. And, but, you know, the, my, my biggest interaction was with, um, when he left Mustafa, actually, I did some individual match with Mustafa and he could actually work. He, he was trained by Gene Anderson. And mm -hmm. when new Jack left, didn't no show one weekend, I opened a show each night with uh, Mustafa and we had a hell of a good little opening match. He on face, you know. But again, um, with New Jack, I was going to tell you, we were in Knoxville. And I found this out later on on one of his promos. And I don't know which one it was or interviews like this or what have you. Um, he said, he, he come up to me in the back and he said, hey, Bobby, can I borrow $30? Well, I'd done gimmicks back then. You know, I, I, I sold, I, so I didn't hardly ever cut into my check on a, on a, by the time I got paid on Monday, I was going off my, pictures and, and, and gimmicks, you know, and thankfully, and Ricky and Robert Tracy smart me up to that. When I got to smoke him out and I was like, Hey, get pictures made, get t-shirts, do this. And you're, you'll do all right. You know, and, and thankfully I did, but, but I thought, okay, I'm going home tonight, which I live about four hours from Knoxville. He's staying over. Maybe he just needs some money. Again, I didn't get involved in his personal life or not like that, but I dealt with, with people that had, approach you to this way and that way. And I was like, you know, the worst thing I'm out is 30 bucks and I'm going to let him borrow 30 bucks because we're in Ashland in my hometown the next day. And it's already booked me. And I, I wrestled, I wrestled them twice here. And I'm putting up three, I wrestled them twice here in my hometown. The first time was me and Ricky and Robert against new Jack Mustafa and, um, uh, shit, you know, you know, D'Lo, thank you. D'Lo, sweetheart, but God, I got to see him about a year ago, I guess. But anyway, um, they come to my hometown and we rest, We were wrestling the six man. That's why I was putting up three. And then they came back again. It was me and uh, Dr. Tom and um, 
Jimmy Del Rey against the the same three. You know, we just we just altered a finish. That was it. But the main event right here in my hometown, good crowd, all that, and it was through Smoky Mountain. But uh, anyway, my story back to New Jack was I said to myself, I said, you know what? It's only thirty bucks. I'm out my gimmicks. It's off my gimmick money. I'm not cutting my check. And I'm going home tonight, and I got a piece of tomorrow because I, I had my hometown and Cornette and I and, and Sandy Scott actually and I we sat down. We made when when I ran the town, I ran it one time. It did really good, and Sandy approached me and said, "Hey, would you like to promote this on a regular basis and and cut us in because blah blah blah? If you don't, you got one town, and we got a bunch more." And I'm like, "Yeah, I'd be crazy not to." So I went to the people I trusted, like Ricky Roberts, said, "This is what should I do?" And they go, "Oh." You know, get your nightly pay um, and ask for a percent of the house, and then uh, uh, get your get your gimmick money, of course, and you'll be all right. And um, you're not losing anything. And I said, no, that's right there in my hometown, you know. And um, at the time, like I said, my they said whatever they said, whatever you do, uh, get your wife to do the concessions. They'll you'll kill it in concessions, which was great advice. So when I approached Sandy, I said, you know, I'd get my nightly pay plus ten percent of the house after taxes. So that was a good thing that, you know, I was like out there hustling. So I knew I was going to be paid the next night one way or the other. And plus, I'd have my weekly check coming at the end. You know. So back to New Jack, the next day, he gets to my hometown and he gives me the office like that. You know, I'm like, hey, you know, how you doing? He goes, let's walk over here a little bit. And so him and I just walked out, you know, honestly, just to the side. And he said, here's your 30 bucks, man. Thanks. I'm just seeing what you're about. I go, well, I'm about not anything, man. I said, you know, pretty much just uh, I, I figured you needed it. And, um, you know, if you need it again, let me know. He goes, no, we're good. He goes, I just kind of see what kind of character you got. Just kind of messing with me, I guess. Now, But, again, I had dealt with people like that before in a prison situation or on the streets or whatever. And so uh, I never had a problem with them other than uh, I ran another show. And security, he was talking to these people, and it was like this. And I won't even use how racial it did get. And um, there was a guy I used to ride with me had done some refereeing and he, and on other events, he had done security. He's just, just a guy that, that had been a wrestling fan his whole life and, and ref, refereed on independent circuit, but he had done security here in Ashland and in several little towns, he just helped do it. Cause he was an auxiliary policeman, you know? And, um, man, I remember these people were getting hot and Jack was getting hot and, Mustafa and Dilo was out to the side a little bit. That they had his back, but I'm just saying the confront the confrontation was like right there. And my my buddy touched him, man. He swung around like, don't you ever. He gave him a white boy lashing. You're like, don't you ever. I don't care if you're security or not. You don't put your white hands on, you know. And I was sitting there and he looked at me and he he goes, Bobby, I don't care if it's your friend or not. I'm I like, hey, bro. Let's just get out of this situation. It was, it was, it was, I'll tell you where that was at. It was Spencer, West Virginia. I only ran it. I ran it twice, once for Smoky Mountain, and only had about 100 people there. We, we were very surprised it didn't do better than that. But I do remember it was a small armory, and um, I had been there before and drew several hundred people. Uh, but we had a sponsor in, like, the volleyball team or softball team or something, you know. That one there, we went in cold, and no sponsors, just Smoky Mountain show. But anyway – Man, they did not like Jack that night, I'll tell you that, you know. Um, but my interaction, again, I didn't, outside of uh, uh, Mustafa in the back at Knoxville, they'd sell beer in the concessions. I'd go over and talk to him, have a beer or something, you know. Uh, D'Lo and I always got along really good. Uh, I when, when, when Smoky Mountain shut, I wrestled with him quite a bit for Les Thatcher down in Heartland Wrestling. 
But uh, but New Jack and our, our interaction with basically, like I said, uh, worked with them probably four times, two of them being in a six-man right here in my hometown. The other time just being uh, six-mans for somewhere, dark match or whatever, whatever, not dark match, but uh, TV or something like that, you know. Um, but, yeah, I, I never had a problem with them. Uh, when I when I saw them in ECW and, and the way things went that way, I just thought, man, I, I'm I'm glad that's not me. You know what I'm saying? Like that's mm. not my style. And uh, uh, if I was asked to do that, I'm like, uh, no, I'm not interested in that. You know, I'm a wrestler. Mm. I I want to work. You know, I don't want to get mm. killed. Uh, don't want to be a stunt uh, person. Yeah, I, but you know, at, outside the ring again. Hell, I didn't pay attention what kind of car he drove his Corvette or if he drove up and parked it somewhere in another piece of trash car. You know, I, all that stuff, man. When I when I got to the building, I worried about what I was doing, you know, and who I was working with. And if I if I had promoted local town, that was one thing. But if I when I was working for Jimmy, you know, I just got there and pretty much same thing with Chris and everyone. I, I'd go in, shake everyone's hand, talk to them. Uh, a lot of times in the summertime, uh, Robert Gibson and I would get there early and, and shoot basketball. We both, you know, just loved basketball. The If no one was around, the Harris twins, they were both actually, you know, so big and tall. Them, I told some of my buddies back home, I said, you talk about some guys that can dunk. Them guys could dunk the hell out of it, man. And mm-hmm. I, I'd play around, you know, stuff like that. But once outside of that, when the show started, did the deal. And when the show was over, it very few people that I really like, oh, let's go do this, let's do that, especially Jack and him because they were coming from another direction. I'm coming from another direction. And uh, at the end of that run, that's the end of that run, you know. So three or four days on, and then I'm back home, and uh, they're back to where they need to go and do their thing. So, um, And, again, I'm just seeing some of the stuff that took place after that. I'm like, man, I'm just – I'm glad my interaction was – I'll say is my interaction was very positive because I found out later that was the way he tested people and he wanted to see where your loyalty was. He wanted to see if I give him 30. And here's why I always thought about it. If someone borrows five dollars, you don't get it back, you probably don't see that person again. It probably wasn't a good person to be around. I thought mm-hmm. the worst I'm out is 30 bucks. I'll be home mm-hmm. the next day. I'll be making I'll make that 30 bucks back. And if you don't pay it back, he got one over on me. And he may never fucking talk to me again. Guess what? I ain't talking to him again either. So I don't give a fuck. That was my attitude too, you know. But um, no, as soon as he came to the building, he just kind of gave me the office. Like, you know, uh, we were up in the locker room. I was up there where I you know, promoted the town. I was right up there. And he just kind of, hey, you know, let's go talk. I'm like, okay. He handed money back. Thanks. He goes, I'll just see, him, see what you're about, man. And, uh, and, and the match was easy as could be. Both times, they made me look great, you know. Uh, Jimmy and Tom did their deal. I did mine. And I think they put me over in D-Lo or something like that. And then the other time, Ricky and Robert, about how hard is that? I'm standing over there and they're over there yelling, you know, instead of rock and roll, they're yelling, Bobby, you know, <laughs> and then get the hot tag, Ricky Kelly, and boom, 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 the cut off, boom, hot tag, boom, rocket launcher, whatever it is, and one, two, three, and I'm over like Rover, you know. But again, uh, maybe they put me on a stop at that time or whatever it was. I didn't go, I don't. I don't New Jack may have put me over. I don't think he did. I think it was I know D Lo did and I'm I know Mustafa did. So um I'd like to sit here and tell you who New Jack did, but I think I'd be lying if I did. I don't think he ever put me over, you know. Uh, now in the working, I'd do a spot. He always you know spots I'd get over. 
because he's putting a face over. But on the heat, they beat the hell. I mean, I didn't even feel them. You know, honestly, I just, they took care of me. Thankfully, thankfully, I didn't get gigged or no, you know, hard ways or do this. No, it was, it was all in the ring. Boom, boom, boom. And uh, uh, they sold, they sold, they cut, cut me off, cut me off, beat me up. And I got out of there just, you know, just like I am, you know, thankfully. Before before we leave your Smoky Mountain uh, tenure, and I think we're going to have to do a part three to talk about WCW, et cetera. This is great stuff. One, I hope you one, like it, man. This, no, ab- absolutely. This yeah. is uh, this is gold. Wanted to ask you about your your defeat of Jerry Lawler for the title, how that came about, and then yeah. the story uh, behind dropping it to uh, Buddy Landell. Okay, so um, Cornette had approached me, and <clears throat> I think we're like, uh, I was finishing up like Beckley, West Virginia. I'd, I'd been there for on and off for a couple years, you know, and um, had a good relationship with them. And uh, Sandy Scott and, and, and Mark Curtis, you know, I had a, had a good relationship pretty with everyone, pretty much everyone. And um, Jimmy came up to me, and he, he gave me the booking sheet, and he goes, you know, something along the lines, I think at the end of this month, um, maybe take a little bit of time off. You've been here, you know, his, what his saying is, you know, uh, how can I miss you if you don't go away kind of thing, you know? And, um, uh, I had been there. He had laid, I think I told, if I didn't, I meant to tell you, he had laid me off one time before, excuse me. And, uh, was going to give me a couple months off. And I was, I was talking to, to USWA. And also I was talking to Dutch about going to Puerto Rico, but I had just recently been married. So I told uh, Dutch, I wasn't really sold on Puerto Rico. And I spoke to some people here, uh, Ricky, Robert and uh, Dick Murdoch, you know, and I like, these guys are telling me one thing and I, and I, you know, I just young, you know, but uh, back to the thing. So I stayed off about two or three days and Horner quit. Jimmy called me and said, Hey, put, put the Kendo mask on. And so I was right back on the road again, you know, so I had always worked there, you know, and I, uh, anytime he let us always pick up independent work, as long as it didn't, that to me, and that was our priority was Smoky Mountain Rest. So I did a lot of show for Bobby Fulton up in Ohio for him, for his, for his company. So I, I was always working, thankfully, at that point. And what I wanted to do, I lived my dream, you know. And uh, so he said, I think you're going to finish up in Beckley at the end of this month or whatever, middle of the month, whatever it was. And, uh, you know, I said, okay, you know, let's just, just try to stay busy and this and that. So I was, again, taking some independence, kind of like I was talking about when I jumping ahead with WCW. I, I staying busy with Smoky Mountain shut down. Well, when I, when I got off TV, I, I knew several promoters that ran local shows that, you know, drew 100 to two, 300 people, you know, um, but they always paid me and, and I could sell gimmicks. So I was like, okay. So, I was actually promoting a show that was going to take place either in my hometown of Huntington, West Virginia, because I went up to Huntington, West Virginia on a Friday to meet with the radio people and have lunch. And I knew these, these couple of DJs very good and their business associates. And so I was like, um, I was supposed to go to Knoxville. So I had all my stuff together in my bag. I'd, I'd been off for, I don't know, six, eight weeks. And, um, I, this is before cell phones, of course. And I went up to uh, to West Virginia, had lunch with these two gentlemen. And I was coming back through my hometown. And and I lived a few miles off the interstate. 
and something told me to stop by the house for say this Friday afternoon. So Dallas like three o'clock, about the time I know I needed to leave to head toward Knoxville. So I'd been up there, had lunch, and worked out the deal. I, I we was promoting. I, I there was a place called a Wild Dog Saloon. I used to promote. I mean, it was just just little shows, you know. For and it was a it was a saloon that was a big bar, you know, those kind of things. I'd probably been up there for that. Uh, now that I'm telling the story out loud, but anyway. Uh, I stopped by the house and I looked, phone rings, caller ID, Jim Cornette. So I, I wasn't even going to be at the house at that time. You know, it's like, what is that Clark's? I wasn't even supposed to be here today. <laughs> but uh, I picked up the phone. I go, hey, what's, you know, blah, blah, blah. And uh, he goes, Bobby says, uh, I got an idea for you. Um, would you be interested? And uh, like to throw us out. I'm sitting on the edge of the bed, just, you know, reach across there. And I'm like, I'm listening. You know, you got my attention. And he goes, well, I like to propose this, that um, if I can talk to Jerry about it, he goes, uh, maybe he'll drop the title, um, put you over um, in about six or eight weeks in Knoxville. What do you think? And I'm like, I just, I, I put my hand on receiver, <laughs> laid back and started kicking my feet. My head, ah, you know, ah, you know, I'm going, ah. I'm sitting there, I'm going, you, you got my attention, Jimmy, now for sure, you know. And he, he's just like, well, uh, not, nothing concrete yet. He goes, uh, I'm getting ready to get out of here. I'm heading to such and such. And it was one of our regular towns. I said, actually, I said, I'm heading to Knoxville, too. I'm I'm going to be not too far from you on a smaller show. And I said, but I'm just uh, staying out of the way, whatever, whatever, you know. And he was like, well, what are you working Monday? And I said, no, I'm, I'm just doing like two shots. It's like a Friday and a Saturday. And I said, I'll be home. He goes, well, I'm working Sunday afternoon because he told me he told me to get in a regular town. I do this three or four in a row, whatever. He goes, can I call you Monday about nine? Back to that story I told you earlier. Monday is nine o'clock, you know. And I was like, yeah, yes, sir, you know. And so he, but he said this. He said, whatever you do, he goes, do not tell anyone what I'm about to ask you. This is between you and I, and it doesn't go any further. He said, as of right now, excuse me, there are only a couple other people that know, and I'm going to approach Lawler about it this weekend I'm like okay well if i tell you i'm gonna do that i i'm gonna do it i didn't tell a damn soul and on monday night nine o'clock boom jimmy calls me he says hey jerry says let's roll with it let's go with it uh this is what i'd like you to do can you do this boom can you do that and um he goes we're gonna bring you back on uh uh sunday bloody sunday and um this this he laid it all out for me and I'm like, holy shit, man. I mean, it sounded great. And once again, now at this point I knew, uh, he knew, Lawler knew, uh, Mark Curtis, well, Jimmy, of course, Mark Curtis and Sandy Scott. I knew those five knew. And then I thought, I put my head together thinking, well, probably White Boy and Landell probably know. So probably seven people besides me. That's who I thought. That's probably, and I don't even know if White Boy and, and uh at that point, if, if White Boy or, or, or Buddy knew, you know what I'm saying? So I knew it was a small amount. I knew it wasn't out in the sheets. I knew everything was kayfabe. And I didn't tell my ex-wife, my wife at the time. I didn't tell my mom. I didn't tell my brother anything. And uh, my brother, my, you know, my closest confidants, you know. And like I said, I lived with him in Florida. Well, now he actually lived in Miami, Florida. And I lived back in Kentucky. So um, he drove all the way from Miami to Knoxville to see me. And I did not tell him what was going to happen. I said, something big is going to happen in Knoxville. <laughs> and uh, mm. if you can be here, I'd appreciate it. 
and he's a pretty smart guy, but but he drove up and and um to so when I got to Knox, so it, it all worked out. I'm watching Smoky Mountain every week because I'm on the road. Um uh, so whatever hotel I'm in usually had it, you know, and I'm following a storyline and I'm doing this and doing that and staying in touch with Jimmy. Cause he told me, I guess it was that show took place in February. I want to say he told me right after Christmas between Christmas and new year, right in that week, maybe. So maybe six, seven weeks out. So like all, well, December, all January, all the way to the end of February, maybe eight weeks out, something like that. So anyway, I get to Knoxville and, uh, I, I'm, I'm excited. You know, I hadn't been there for almost three months now, uh, to Knoxville. Now during that time, I will say this, Jimmy did put me on, um, a couple of shows that were like an hour from my house that, Hey, Bobby, you want to do a show? It wasn't TV though. You know what I'm saying? So that was another good thing too, because he did keep me in mind for that, even though I wasn't on the TV and, uh, they're going to be that close. Hell I'm, you know, what my fee was just here to have it, you know? So, uh, and I did speak to Jimmy about that. I said, Oh, also if I'm getting a title, Hey, you know, it's business. And he said, yeah, I'm going to bump your pay a little bit and this and that. Your bookings will go up. And No, it was all very professional. I mean, Jimmy took such good care of me. And that's that's why I say, you know, I'm a cornet guy because he took care. He gave my first U.S. break and he took care of me. And in, in a good way, he took care of me. So um, so I knew I was, that was happening too. And at the time, I was um, getting ready to have a son. Uh, my, my, my oldest son was getting ready to be born that month. Uh, February of 95. Now we're, you know, way back when. So I get to Knoxville and um, I'm in the first match against uh, Brian Logan. And he's just going to go out there and put me over. And uh, we've got about seven or eight minutes to go like that. And I, Jimmy had told me, get, I'd got some different trunks and different tights. I changed my boots back to what I was wearing. And um, he said, um, I went over, I, I, I talked to Lawler and, uh, you know, Hell, I grew up watching Lawler. It goes back to that thing here. And I was like, man, this is just, he goes, don't worry about a thing, kid. We're going to have, you know, we're going to work this out, whatever. I'll talk to you in a little bit. And that was it. He didn't blow me off. I mean, that, that's about it. So uh, I went out there and, and I talked to Buddy. And Buddy was just, white boys, I won't say we're staying this, but me and white, I always got along with Father God, but I don't remember talking to him a whole lot that particular time. Other than him, he, he put me over. But it wasn't a big talk, but I remember Buddy going, Bobby, this is something big. He kept telling me several times, this is something big. But I wasn't over the hill locker room a lot. I was just like, let me get through this first match. Let me see what's going on, you know. So I remember this. I went in the first match, and I got, you know, came back. And was, I went out there, and I remember the announcer going, we were supposed to get about seven or eight minutes. And he goes, five minutes gone and, like, 15 minutes left to wrestle or something like that. When I heard the five minutes, I, I thought he meant five minutes left, and I knew, but I had been off with that company. I knew how they did it there, and I thought, fuck, five minutes left. I've done been working like 10 minutes. I just fucking northern lights. <laughs> Brian, luckily, he was professional enough. He took it, and I had to ring maturity, and and I don't I don't know if Mark Curtis or who it was, to be honest with you, that, that match. But like I said, it was the opening match on the card. I just fucking northern lights and one, two, three, and got out. But I remember Sandy Scott coming to and said, Bobby, <laughs> you went home after early, and I said – I heard five minutes. He goes, and he told me, explained to me, he goes, man, calm down. You know, I mean, it's one thing that they, they can make it up on a show, but also it's like you learn a lesson, you know, but I remember maybe I was nervous or maybe I just forgotten to call, you know, like, oh, well, I got another three, five minutes before I even have to go home. 
but I didn't, and I still look good doing it. And that's that because Brian did it. Not to this day, I think him or it's my see him. So they go out there and they do the angle. Well, before that, actually, I go to back and um, I, I go. And they said Jerry will see you one more time. So I go over to the uh, Curtis tells me out. I go over and see him. He goes, "Hey, really good out there, kid. Uh, I know I can do a lot with you." He said, "Do me a favor though." He goes, "I don't want you doing the clapping and, and getting the people behind you." He said, "Don't do that." He goes, "Let me do that. I'll lead you and I'll get people behind you." And I'm like, "Okay," because you know how the baby face starts getting people. Mm -hmm. I was doing that where I hadn't been there and then Brian got on me for a little bit and I started clapping, like firing up, whatever. So um, Lawler, that's all he said. He goes, uh, don't worry. He goes, don't worry about anything I say. Don't worry about anything I do. He said, just work with me. We'll be over. He goes, just don't go out there and do it. He goes, I'll get them started for you. You take over. I'm like, okay. You know, and that's, that's pretty much, again, we hadn't said anything, you know, about the mat. So uh, after intermission, I go over there and there's, there's a Cornette gave me the word like, Hey, do, do your thing. Bob Armstrong, Bobby, I'll be back there to get you. Do your thing. It was me, Lawler, white boy and Landell and Mark Curtis standing there. And pretty much he said, well, here's what I'll do. Grab me in that headlock. Shoot me off. Buddy, be there. Boom. <laughs> white boy. be there. <laughs> Okay. See you out there. I mean, it was about as much time I told you just now. That's about as much I was told. And I went out. That's how professional they all were. And I, I so when I say it, I mean that respectfully. That's how, so when I the they did their angle and White Boy got glommed across the head with the, the shaved case and and Buddy's out there thinking he's got a championship match. <clears throat> I'm in the back and I pulled down one knee pad and I'm unlaced one boot and I maybe I had the strings out of my tights hanging out or whatever, <clears throat> like I'm supposed to be undressed in the shower. And so. Uh, Bob Armstrong, the commissioner, says, nobody, you don't have a title shot. You had to, you've got to beat someone for a title shot. He goes, so I'm going back here in the back, and I'm going to grab the first wrestler I see, and I don't care who it is, and they're going to get a title shot against Lawler. And if you can beat that person, did you know, did, did, or if, if this person beat, I can't hey, after this match, then you'll get your title shot. So he left it out there. That's what I was trying to say. Spit it out, Bobby. Anyway, uh, yeah, it's easy for me to say. So I'm in the back, and I'm sitting there actually on a bench just kind of away from the door because I can see Armstrong. I don't want to be right by the curtain, you know, but I can see where he's at. So I'm just sitting. I can hear the microphone. They're talking, and they're yelling. So I'm sitting there just like, oh, man, this is it. This is it. This is it. I left my boot untied, left the knee pad down, you know, like, you know, and Bullet comes around here, and he sees me, walks over to me. I'm like 10 feet in the curtain, and he goes, well, Bobby, you ready? He goes, this is big, man. This is big, son. I go, and I, I love Bullet Bob. He was so good to me. And I learned so much from him, too, just to tell you the truth. I, 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 he talked to me so much, and I knew he'd been promoter. I knew who he you know, was, and why would you not listen to Bullet Bob, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, he sit there, and he goes, hey, this is big, man. He goes, I'm really happy for you. Something like that. He, he goes, I'm, he said something like, I'm really happy for you. You deserve this. I mean, he put me over, you know. He goes, we get threat curtain. He goes, you just, you just do, do what you do, kid. Do what you do. Like, okay. And I know what I do. I sell, you know, I mean, I, cause no one's told me otherwise right now. All I know is not to go out there clapping, you know? So, um, man, here comes the spotlight. Boom. I come through and people are mumbling through the arena. You know who Bobby like, what, you know, this and that. Of course we, we get up to the ring and Lawler gets up there and browbeats the hell out of me. So if I had a microphone, 
how am I going to, there's no comebacks I had. I'm up there, you know, this is a guy I grew up watching. He's getting ready to put me over in the middle of the ring in Knoxville where I've been working out for three years, you know, and he's up there and he, he, he said, come here, kid, come here. He puts his arm around me. He's got the microphone. I got the photo. Uh, I need to get more made. I, maybe I can sell it or something. But but he said, this is a, this your only photo up here. I'm going to get with the title here, kid, with the king or something. Like, he's just burying me, you know, uh, which is what he's supposed to do. He's Jerry Lawler, you know. So uh, and I'm this baby-faced kid that's – I'm not going to beat him. You know, he's going to whip – as he said, you curtain jerker. You don't, you don't believe – you don't belong in the ring with me. Uh, buddy, you be getting ready, you know, whatever he's saying. And so we get up there, man. I just listen to them. I, I, if you watch the match without knowing the storyline, to me, when I watch it, know it. When I, if I looked at it, and I tell people, so I want to see your Lawler match, and and it's out there, and I have it on DVD, and it's 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 out there. Um, I tell them you got to realize it's part of storyline. It's not going to be some big high line. It's not going to be some big up and down wrestling thing. It's going to be me and Lawler wrestling, and then you'll see the outcome of it. And that's what it was. So I just listened to him and um, I didn't do a whole lot because I didn't have to. I let him tell me, do this, do that. And it was just like, it was just like I'm talking to you, Jackie's going, he'd grab a headlock and say, do this kid. Follow me here, kid. Cut me off here, kid. Kick me. But I told him I didn't like punching that much. He's Jerry Lawler. He can fucking punch. You know what I'm saying? I said, I do better kicks. And I did at that point. And I said, I, that's, I know my work, you know, and he goes, well, then when you get in the corner, I tell you, get on me, give me a, you know, kick me in the stomach. With it. And I know my kicks are light. I'm not going to hurt them. Where my punch at that, I throw a good punch now, but back then it was a little bit off. But um, I was like, uh, yeah, I can. So I just follow him around. And I, buddy's out there and I hear the commotion of this and that. And and I, I just remember him saying, it's time. And I shot him off. Boom. Didn't happen, you know. He stumbled back. One, two, three. And. Next thing I know, man, like Scott Armstrong, I remember throwing his arms up in the air, bullets going like crazy like that. And uh, it's like a shoot, you know, it's like, honestly, it's like a shoot. Like, you know, you won this big match. Now I know it's a work. I know I got written in. So I'm not sitting there saying I beat Jerry because I didn't beat anyone. I, I, I know, you know what I'm saying? But I won the match like, like that. They're treating it like that, the way you're supposed to. Because mm -hmm. wrestling is supposed to be wrestling the way you remember it, you know. So I'm there, and I'm like, I just took this move and that move. I just barely shot them off. They double headbutted, rolled them up one, two, three, you know. And um, and when I did that, I, well, that was White Boy trying to pull Buddy down from the apron or what have you. And so, uh, and White Boy, part of the thing was he's going to be kind of guiding me too once I got the title. That was the other thing too. So. I rolled him up, and I remember Landell, you know, said, grabbing a microphone, said, well, Bobby, it looks like me and you. And he might have been throwing kid in there, and he just like that. And I'm already beat up because I just rolled Lawler up, but I was getting beat when I rolled him up. So surprise, upset, one, two, three. And uh, here comes Buddy, and he just starts glomming me. Boom, 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 boom. And um, we worked it out to where, once again, He's beating me up. I'm not quitting, though. Only time I quit, I think, was a good goddamn Johnny K-9. <laughs> you know what he did now? I guess I'm better off quitting against him than taking to the street. You know? but no. uh, so, uh, once again, I, it's, and I, I get about halfway through that match. And, and uh, seriously, I'm not trying to make you laugh. It's a shoot, I said. 
I, I knew I had to color, right? <laughs> Landell takes me to the table. Boom. I hit the table. I hit the, the bell. I go under the table. I'm done. And I and it it hits me right before I go outside the ring. And I'm like, hey, Bobby, this is this my mind talking to me. I go, hey, Bobby, you know this show's called Sunday, buddy, Sunday Dutch. <laughs> <laughs> to myself, I'm listening to Buddy glomming me, beating me, and I'm going, someone's going to bleed, which I knew I was going to, you know what I'm saying? But in my mind, I'm like watching myself. It's like, it weird. I was like, and I was like, uh, yeah, here's the spot. I was like, someone's going to bleed. It's going to be you. You know, so <laughs> now I know someone else got juice in another match, but I'm just saying. So when Buddy, you know, he goes, table, boom, bell. Boom, sell. And I just went under the table. You know, so like one, two, three. I, I mean, he hit me on a table, hit me on a bell. The table, I, I can't remember the table collapsed or it slid off, but I went under the edge of it. I know that and come up and I was sweaty and wet and had to watch blonde hair, you know. Uh, and there it was. And buddy, bop, 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 rolled me back in. And there it's Sunday, bloody Sunday, you know. So I just sold. I went around the ring selling like I was supposed to. And um, next thing you know, uh, white boy comes out, do the deal, boom, push him off, roll him up, and still Smoky Mountain heavyweight champion Bobby. And man, that place just popped, man. And, and that, that's an excellent, that's just an excellent great. story. Excellent yeah. story. That's, and again, that, that's good like a good Pardon uh, me? I said, again, the guys around the ring treat her like a shoot. They, mm. Some of the guys come out and was congratulating me and hold my hand up, holding the belt. You know, and and really believing and making the people believe, like, hey, he just this guy just won three matches in one night. You know, I beat Brian Logan in an opening match. I beat Jerry the King Lawler in the main, what well, was supposed to be the main event match, and then I end up with Buddy Landell in the main main event, and I won all three of them. three hard, tough battles, as it said. Um, you know, and I don't, I know what I'm telling you is, I'm, you know. Like I said, it's written in. I know it's a work, but I said that's the way it made it feel, and that's the atmosphere we wanted, Jack. You know, and that's the way to me as a wrestling fan to this day. I think that's the way it should be. You know, and so mm. uh, I got to go over against uh, everyone that was involved in the angle were, were completely professional. Um, I give Cornette credit for for coming up with the idea. Lawler being professional enough to uh, to do it for me for for some of the lessons I learned. Uh, from White Boy and Landell, especially Buddy at that time, once I, I got the title as far as little things, he just ins and outs of the business because and it this this helped this came to held up to be true, I guess, between him and I, our relationship and in life. And it's uh, he he said, Bobby, as much as business of work, it's a shoot, believe me, believe me. And he he'd say there once in a while, and I like and I and I know that it is. Sometimes it's, it it really is because you're dealing with office politics and People want the title to come off soon. They want me to have it longer. And you're, it's one of those things when you get there, it's like, you know what? <laughs> I'm here. Let me, let's, let's just roll with it. Let's, let's make money. You know, let, let me do my deal, you know, and uh, just, I'm, that's what I was there for. I was there to work. So from the time that Tommy Rogers saw me, we ran each other at the gym down in Tampa, Florida. I was telling you about to, Hey, call Cornette tonight to actually seeing him that was in whenever it was uh february march of 92 so is that what it was yeah got home from south africa that's when it was then seeing him that summer 
in in a town about an hour away, like I said, Cornette. Then finally, the following March, getting a tryout against Brian Lee to Robert Gibson getting hurt the first week of April of 93 and me coming in and doing a couple of loops because he was living in Pensacola. So I was getting them loops. By the summertime, May, uh, into May, I'm booked pretty much full time with, with Cornette all summer, uh, Smoky Mountain. Before I know it, uh, September rolling around, they put in a junior heavyweight title on me, had all that run with Chris. And I just kept staying there, you know, till finally, you know, like I said, I had a couple of times off here and there and um, get to come back and be the Smoky Mountain heavyweight champion, you know. And uh, it, like like the people, and that was the other thing, the people, I wasn't overly huge. I was in pretty good shape, you know. I, I, but here's the thing. I got over because I wasn't a big monster. I, I had a above average body to the man, average man on the street per se, but I, but I looked, you know, okay. And then I spoke like, I didn't have to go out of my way to speak different. I spoke like the fans. So I'm one of them. And they mm. saw me develop early on in the company and move up, move up in opponents, move up and from first match to third match, third match to semi-main event to finally main event, you know, so they followed that part of it. So it all was just, it was just, um, Jack is like, um, uh, I put this for a, a blurb for um, my book. There's a picture of the Smoky Mountain Heavyweight title belt in, in, in my book. Um, and it said, imagine getting to live your dream. And it's a, it's a picture about, and I send that tweet out. It goes out sometimes on a time tweet. It says, uh, imagine living your dream. And underneath it says, I did. You know, it was it was incredible. And um, I, I know we're, we're good on time here. I, pre- I do appreciate you having me back on this podcast. I, I hope we do a third part, but but because there's more to that story too. But yeah, it was just great to to get to do that, uh, to be a part of that part, because people still remember to this day um, me beating Jerry the King Lawler, you know, mm-hmm. and um, and I still, I've done business with Lawler through the years too. You know, I'm I supposed to see him, of course, I was supposed to see him last. I saw him. I'm not supposed to. I see how I word this. I saw him last October at a fan fest uh, up in Chillicothe, Ohio, and was going to do some more business with him. We had worked out something, uh, he and I, and a, a, another local promoter. And then sadly, uh, before it happened, uh, about a week before he had a stroke, he had to withdraw. He was having some problems. And then, of course, he had a stroke, and I and I hope he's doing well. I saw him there on the Raw appearance and stuff. Uh, but, yeah, I got to do some business with Jerry the King Lawler. You know, like I said, 10-year-old boy, my brother called me in the house. Hey, come, what is this? What's going on? I'm like, oh, that's wrestling. And shooting around the next week and finding it. Hey, there it is. And we watched it. And there, like I said, that first time it was going off. So I didn't know anyone. But by, by the second or third week of watching Memphis wrestling, I knew, you know, uh, Bill Dundee, Jerry the King Lawler for damn sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those are the guys I grew up watching. Like you asked me about the favorite territory. I got to watch those tapes every week, you know. And um, here I was as a grown man at the Knoxville Civic Coliseum wrestling Jerry D. King Lawler. The history of Knoxville wrestling um, uh, is great. And I always dreamed of wrestling here, believe it or not. I, some things is maturizing your, your, your – I like – I'd go to Tampa. I'd go through Knoxville doing 75 South, and i go – I'm coming back to Knoxville. Uh, you know, I, I told you I'd met Buddy Landell way back when uh, at, at a show, an independent show. And uh, 
is like, uh, I, man, next thing I'm working with buddy of main events, you know, and it wasn't next thing there's years there. I'm just saying it was just living a dream, man, living a dream. Well, you have, you have one heck of a story and that's, that's Thank definitely, you. that is, that is definitely a inspirational story as well. I, I need to have you back for part three to talk okay. about, uh, put a bowl on Smoky Mountain when you left and then WCW. But yep. before we do that, yes, sir. where can the fans find you on social media yeah. and give us your plug, sir? Okay. Well, first of all, I'm not on Facebook. So if anyone tells you I am, I'm not. That's not my account. And I haven't been on there for probably close to 10 years. I, don't, I couldn't tell you the last time. But I'm on Twitter or X at BobbyBlaze744. That's where most of my stuff goes through, but I know that's changing a lot, but I'm not coming off of there for right now, but but that's where I'm at. But also I'm on Instagram at BobbyBlaze744, and I've really started getting back into posting on that. I'm really starting to like Instagram a whole lot again. So you can follow me at BobbyBlaze744 on X or Twitter and, and Instagram. Um, if you would like to, you can you can direct message me just like you did, Jack. Get a hold of me on Twitter because or or Instagram. I do return every that's where you get a hold of me at. And I'll give you personal information from there. If you want to purchase a book, I do mail them out from my home at times. Uh, it's a great gift for your um, the wrestling fan in your family, or if you haven't read it yet, uh, mm -hmm. I've got two books and if you don't want it directly through me, you can go directly through Amazon. Okay, and that's the easiest way to tell you the truth. And that's on Amazon. It's at Bobby Blaze Smedley. That's my, my my name. That's my author name too. And uh, or uh, go to um, um, pin me, pay me. It'll come right up. Have Boostful Travel. That's my first book. My second book is called I Kicked Out on Two: The Educational Wrestler. And they're both out there right now. Um, they're about fourteen ninety five, I think. On on um, on 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 amazon it's also available in ebook you can download it on ebook i think it's like 4.99 something like that i haven't even checked lately to be honest with you but i think it's i know it's under five dollars to download on your kindle and use the kindle app is free i read a lot of stuff on my computer because that's what i like doing reading um and just get a hold of me man tell me if you heard me on this show i appreciate you know being on the program um I appreciate you, Jack. We've tried to talk about doing it several different times and things Five have come years. up and this and that. And, uh, yeah. So, but, but, but see, here's the thing. We became friends, I think via Twitter because my Twitter account blew up at one time. I was like, how did this happen? I mean, it, I was just surprised. Uh, like I said, I had something on Facebook, but you know what I couldn't do on Facebook and I'm not digging, digging Facebook, uh, anything like that. What happened was I started seeing real friends that I knew arguing about all its religion mm. and politics and I couldn't separate it. I would just stop and follow them. But then the next thing I know, I had all these people I knew personally. And I'm like, you know what? This is not like, I don't want to be a part of it. I don't even want to see it. Cause I, I, I so I just deleted. I just like, I, I, I couldn't handle it. Where Twitter, you don't know everyone, but you meet people that have your own interests, your hashtag mm -hmm. pro wrestling mm -hmm. podcast, whatever it may be, you mm -hmm. know? And, um, you, you get to meet cool people like you that have a podcast that has an interest in wrestling, you know, and, and, uh, and also my books, please. If you, if anyone out there has read my book, I want to say thank you. I was just talking to some people Saturday about this. I love the fact that someone took the time to read something I wrote. If you would, I'm not begging for five-star reviews. 
if you would, please leave a review, just a fair and honest review. One of the best reviews I ever got is a three-star review. But the gentleman that wrote it, by the end of the review, and it wasn't all that long. It was just a nice review. I said, if this wasn't my book, I'd buy it. And that's the truth. And I went to see his what else he had reviewed. He had reviewed four products, three wrestling books, one being mine. He gave him three stars. And the one of them was Bret Hart. And I read it and I said, I'd already read Bret's book. And I was like, I'd go out and buy this again, you know, because the guy wrote such few. And the other one was on like a Black & Decker handheld blender thing. And it was 20 bucks. And he gave it three. But that's the way he rated things. But when I read that, I wanted to run out and buy a blender, you know. So uh, the, the, five star, the five stars are appreciated. Four stars are appreciated. But like I said, it's what you write. Just say, hey, you know. If you like the book, just be fair and honest. Hey, I, I liked it. Bobby made me laugh or made me think or, or man, what a, what a great story, you know, or um, just don't put Bobby sucks because that's not a review. And I Nobody, had a, nobody's going to do that, Bobby. Your, your book. Well, no, I had someone do it, actually. Someone put it on there and it's the Internet. So who knows? And Amazon, you can go on there and say, I went on. I, I turned in two reviews and. And I said, "Can you check these out?" And they took that one down because they said, "Yeah, you know, Mr. Smedley, it's not a, it's not a review. You know, it's a personal attack." So, but anyway, I'm just saying. So, if you leave one star, that's your opinion. All I ask for is you to be fair and honest. Five stars would be great. Again, it's at Bobby Blaze 744 or on um, Amazon, just Bobby Blaze Smedley and, and look for my books. And there's a couple other eBooks on there as well. And and Jack, I really, really want to say thank you so much for your time. I look forward to a third time. We'll have to set that up off camera. Okay. Yes, sir. Yeah. Three times. Three yes, times. Sir. Three times the triple threat. Well, Bobby, yeah. again, thanks so much for yeah. your time. Fans, check out all of Bobby's products. His books are tremendous. Support Thank this you. man and support uh, independent authors and independent pro wrestling. Yeah. And we will keep you in the loop as to when part three will happen. But until then, I'm Jack Kilby. Good evening, good day, whatever time it is in the world. And thank you for tuning in to the Cheap Heat Productions Wrestling Podcast. We will talk to you next time.